IS episode 47 pool button hockey podcast is underway and we've got a trade that everyone's talking about Colorado and Anaheim big Josh Manson 30 years of age almost 500 games in the NHL big strong at half price to the abs I've counted their defense they got nine defensemen there looks pretty good to Anaheim prospect Drew Hellison saw him at the Olympics world junior second round pick third year at BC Mr. Craig Button, let's start with Josh Manson and a piece of the Avalanche blue line. They say it takes 10 defensemen to win a cup. The Avalanche defense is very, very good. It's not the number. It's the type of defenseman you have. Last year, they were without Eric Johnson. And then they went out without Nazem Kadri. Those were two significant absences in the playoffs when they ultimately lost to the Vegas Golden Knights. Josh Manson, guess what? And Eric Johnson in the lineup, they give you a whole different look. The playoffs are about taking, like, the, it's grinding your opponent, making them earn everything, you know, you know, to, you know, shrinking the space they have. Josh Manson does it, and he does it with an edge. So does Eric Johnson. And so when you look at that blow, you got McCarr, you got Devin Taze. I mean, what an unbelievable twosome they are, right? Sam Gerrard has protection now. Now people aren't going to go take advantage of Sam Gerrard. Hopefully he gets back healthy. Bottom line is, Joe Sackick went and did exactly what strengthens his team. Josh Manson is not just a defenseman. He's exactly the type of defenseman they needed to go and compete for the Stanley Cup. And let's, let's be clear here. The fact that the Anaheim Ducks took back half the salary, the Colorado Avalanche are not done. Don't, don't, don't believe reports about it being a quiet deadline, Steve. Just don't believe it. I'm telling you that right now. I keep hearing it from people. Let, trust me. Trust me. There will be moves. And Monday's trade for Josh Madison is just one example. I mean, people on the weekend, oh, yeah, it's going to be a quiet week, a quiet trade that night. Really? Like, what, are you not answering your phone? Are you not making calls? <laughs> Some of these managers, I don't get it. I don't get it. We talked to Billy Garen Monday, and he said the, um, the airwaves are filled with general managers. So just because we're at two, if you count Tyler DeFoley, as you mentioned, doesn't mean it's going to be busy as we fit things in under the cap and kind of jockey for position. Uh, to the Duck fans, a second-round pick in 2023, and Drew Hellison. What can you tell us about the right-handed shooting defenseman who we saw a little bit about at the World Juniors and Olympics? Drew Hellison is a B prospect. So obviously you go, what's a B prospect, right? Well, a B prospect is somebody that I think will be a regular NHL player probably two years away from being that regular NHL player, but somebody that's going to come in and help your team. He's competitive. He's smart. He's going to probably be in a second pairing, right? But those types of defensemen that play hard, that can move the puck and are competitive, that's a good move. And, and you think about Jamie Drysdale in Anaheim. So now there's some backup there with a Drew Hellison. And let's just look at the uh, Colorado Avalanche blue line. You have Taze and you have McCarr. You have Justin Barron playing in the minors. You have Bo and Byram. You know, all the players you draft are not going to play for your organization, regardless of whether they're good prospects or not. So the Anaheim Ducks, Pat Verbeek, he said clearly, if my uh, unrestricted free agents aren't signed, I'm going to be moving them. Monday was the first move, but he got a real good player back. And, and, the, and the second round pick, we'll be looking at that. We'll know who the what, what the pick becomes in, in a year, but we'll be looking at that player four or five years down the road. And Drew was a second-round pick originally. But yeah, yeah, yeah. So there you go. So they'll get another Drew, and everybody's happy uh, for both teams then. Avalanche, you say, not done yet. So does that mean Claude Giroux or somebody else? And you expect Raquel 
and Lindholm to both be moved. I'm going to predict Raquel for sure. Uh, and then Lindholm, they, if he doesn't sign him, he says he's trading him. So because these teams are in the news right now, where are we on the other two UFAs and Claude Giroux possibly in Colorado? Well, I mean, Claude Giroux, I mean, like, I mean, we keep talking. Claude Giroux would be a good fit anywhere. You don't think that everybody's not phoning Chuck Fletcher about Claude Giroux? Like everybody is, not just Colorado. Let me ask you this, Steve. Who 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 thought Josh Manson was going to end up in Colorado? Was there any connection with Josh? We talked about type of defenseman. So, like, you know, like like I'm telling you, like Bill Guerin told you yesterday, all the all the GMs are on the airwaves, right? Like, don't think just because Claude Drew, now Claude Drew has a no-move clause, but maybe the Colorado Avalanche are saying, I'm not paying that price. Maybe I'm not paying that price. Maybe Chuck Fletcher goes, well, that's the, that's the only place Claude will go. Remember Jerome McGillan when he went to Pittsburgh? You know, they were they thought they had a better deal in Boston. Jerome says, I'm going to Pittsburgh. You want to trade me to Pittsburgh? Trade me to Pittsburgh. I'm not going to Boston, right? So maybe Claude Drew does that. Ultimately here, when you look at uh, uh, the Anaheim Ducks, Pat Verbeek's been very clear. I, I don't know why you wouldn't believe the general manager. If right. my unrestricted free agents aren't signed, I'm trading them. And he's not giving them term. He's not giving 30-year-old players term. So it's very clear. And I would say this about Josh Manson. He has an opportunity to go to a good team and show what his value is. If Raquel and Lindholm don't want to sign in Anaheim, they're going to be able to go someplace and show what their value is. They're showing their value, staying in Anaheim isn't going to help them. So Pat Verbeek is very clear. So what I would say is, if you don't hear of them being signed, expect them to be traded. <laughs> yeah, and it feels like, and we had Lindholm on before, all this stuff. He wants to see UFA. Now, does that mean he might not come back? He might if the Ducks give him the offer that he wants. Also feels like Pat Verbeek's trying to mold the team now in his vision, which is great. So it's very intriguing, very exciting as it relates to these two teams being in the news at the beginning of the week. Also in the news over the weekend, two teams that are leaking oil two teams that are on a boat that's filling up with water Vegas, who now the money puck odds 55% of making the playoffs and the Toronto Maple Leafs at this time of the year, can't play defense, can't keep the puck out of their net and need a goalie. Yeah. 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 Craig, which of the, if it, if it bleeds, it leads, which of these two disasters and don't say they're not disasters right now. It is. If you need a goalie by St. Patty's Day or you are reeling to make the playoffs, I'm sorry. You'll be drinking a lot of green beer and almost saying, I don't want to wake up the next day. Where do you want to start with these real trouble spots in the NHL? So the, the, the trouble spots for different reasons. You, you know, the, the Toronto Maple Leafs are safely in a playoff spot, right? We, we know that. But this isn't about being safely in a playoff spot. This is about, you know, trying to win a playoff round. Again, it's very good competition, which, you know, uh, you know, they haven't been able to, they haven't been able to win a playoff round. Let's put it that way. And they say they learn and everything. So here they go. Kyle Dubas looking at his team and going, yeah, uh, I got a goaltending issue and my defensive play isn't very good. Right. And so that, that you're trying to look at your team. What are we going to do going into the playoffs? Like, are we going to go in there and just kind of lay down? Because right now, like they can't, they can't beat the bad teams. How are they going to beat the good teams? The Vegas Golden Knights, who everybody fell in love with and everybody had them as a sexy pick for the Stanley Cup. You heard me say this way back in the fall. I'm not buying the Vegas stock. I'm not putting any chips on the Vegas Golden Knights until they show me, until they show me. And I didn't say, I, I didn't think they'd miss the playoffs. I'm not here to say that. 
but they were not in my Stanley Cup favorite pool. And they haven't shown me anything. And now they have all these injuries piling up. They can't beat bad teams. Can you imagine? You go into Philadelphia, you lose. You go into Buffalo, you lose. You play a pretty good game in Pittsburgh and you lose. Then you go into Columbus and you lose. And Robin Leonard, where's he at? Mark Stone, where's he at? Alex Martinez. I mean, they just got a plethora of injuries. And I don't think that Kelly McCrimmon can plug all those holes. Honestly, he knows more about what his injury situation is. It may be just one of those seasons where you just go, nothing went right for us. We make the playoffs great, but I'm not going to sit here and try to chase my tail. Because right now it feels that whatever Vegas does, it's chasing their tail. Because okay. I, don't see, I don't see them as a contender. So even if they go and get, let's just say they go and get Marc-Andre Fleury, I still don't see them as a contender. So if he's going to be a bit more passive because it's not our year, sometimes you have to sit. Hey, remember the Lightning when they missed the playoffs and John Cooper had to go to the World Championship? Wasn't their year? There's, you know, it's a roller coaster ride. And sometimes for, and we know what's happened to Vegas. It's not as if they sat down at the table, pair of aces, here we go. They didn't, you know, it was a bad hand and they've kind of been pot committed. And like the Mark Stone thing by itself, I like what Michael Rupp said on the program too. You get Eichel and lose Stone. I don't think it can happen without Stone. He's the straw that stirs the drink. He's the defensive conscious of the team. He's the one, the power play doesn't come through. He's the one that kills the penalties. And so if they don't have Stone and it's worse than we think, and then Leonard's got issues, yeah, yeah, yeah. So you're saying that Kelly McCrimmon is basically going to say, whoa, Camel, and we're going to just try to get in and see what happens. Kyle Dubas, did you see the picture? Shanahan looking at Dubas. And then on the Arizona game, Dubas was hiding behind his assistant general manager. Just... Is he chasing it? Like, is he saying, I never thought I was making a call for Marc-Andre Fleury. I already was going for a defenseman, whether it was Manson didn't want to come, uh, no trade list is Toronto, and then it's Sherratt. So does he back off and go, we're not fighting with the big boys anyway? Or is he too far along in making the playoffs, winning around, job saving? Like, what would you do? Like, if I'm Shanahan and you're Dubas, what is our conversation like about chasing this thing our own stability and for what the club needs. Like this is an honest conversation. Let's role play, Mr. Button. Okay, let's role play. So let, here, here's what I would say. Here's the way I look at it. Who, who has built this team? Kyle Dubas. Okay, so Kyle Dubas is responsible and accountable for the results. Okay, so now, you know what? I never believed that a manager should get into job saving mode. Because job saving mode means that you're trying to save your own bacon. Okay. And a manager's job is to do what's best for the organization. I don't know if I've ever shared this with you. I have so much respect for Dave Nonis because he was in the last year of his contract in Vancouver and they wanted him to trade all their young players, a lot of their young players that became a real big part of their team, Ryan Kessler included. And Dave Nonis said, no, that's not what's right for the team. What's right for the team is that we can't do it. And, and he refused to do it. And it was what was best for the team. Dave Nonis paid for it with his job. Okay. Now th there could be a separate decision, but Dave never got into job saving. Work. I have tremendous respect for that. Too many people get into job saving. Work. I get it. Don't get me wrong. I'm not here to criticize being in that mode, but if you're an organization, you get in that mode, you got a big problem. You got a big problem because now your organization's at risk. So when I tell you who's accountable and responsible, it's Cal Dubas. So now the conversation is going to have to be, how do we end up here? How, where are we at? How, how do we, how do we move forward? Right. Like, you know, you, 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 you love the four forwards and you should. Right. You, you, you like the way the team is played. There's lots of really good stretches of good play. Right. But now there's no muzzle. 
Okay, so there's no Muzzin in the lineup. That's a huge, huge thing. And you know, him and him and Justin Hall last year, maybe the miss maybe the miss assessment was on thinking that those guys could come back and have a second year like they had last year. Maybe that so that is where the conversation should be. Then you start to look at your bottom pair defense. You start to say, okay, how did we end up in this goaltending situation? Jack was so good. What did we know about Jack? Is this something that we should have seen? And was Peter Morazic the right guy? That, that, that's the conversation. That's the conversation. That's what Cal Dubas should, in my view, that's what I would be asking myself. If I'm Brendan Shanahan, that's what I would be asking Cal Dubas. Now, the next question is, how do we proceed? How do we proceed? Because it's not one gap, it's a couple of gaps. And can they close one gap that'll give them an ostensibly a chance to compete against the big boys, as you say? Well, I think that they're making the, so I think we sit there and say, how all in are we? Are we willing to give up any of the prospects that we've talked about before in first round pick or picks in 2022 and 2023? Right. That that's and if we've decided we're not giving up anything in 2023 or beyond, or we've made a list of homegrown prospects in the system that we're not touching, then you're going to try to make a trade with those guys off the table, which might hinder your ability to make a trade for a Ben Sherratt and a Mark Andre Fleury. So then you're kind of half pregnant, and then you're going to go into uh, well, we can't get Manson, he's been traded. Sherratt's going to cost too much, so we're going to go after Justin Braun because we can get him for a second round pick. So we're going to make that move. And we really want Marc-Andre Fleury, but you know what? We might be able to get Anton Forsberg and I don't know if they could. So we're going to make that move instead and kind of limp in to post deadline as opposed to soaring in by giving up picks and prospects and getting Fleury and Sherratt, which still doesn't guarantee anything, but it's a fascinating conversation. And I would be Kyle Dubas feeling better. If you said to me, Brendan Shanahan, it's okay. We're, whatever happens here, we have another year, you know, covid free normal season you know it's secure it's safe and i don't know craig presidents and owners tell managers around the deadline because it would change how i would proceed i don't know if i could be dave notice right without having the security and he didn't and he did what he thought was still right and he died on his sword that's great how many people die on their sword if it's me and it's cool if you don't win this round you're gone First round pick for Flurry and what they want. Nick Robertson, if that's a trade for Sherratt, I'm dealing, wheeling, and Jen praying when I go to Florida to play Tampa or the Panthers that it's our turn and there's a break. And that's probably what I would do, Craig. And let's be honest, that's a conversation I bet you Kyle Dubas has had with his wife to sit there and say, what are we going to do if I don't have the job security? I find it fascinating. Well, it is fascinating. And, and, and your points are all legitimate. I'll tell you what, yep. if you have an organization that operates in that way, you're, you're not, you're not a high functioning organization. Because if you're telling your general manager, win around, right. Or you don't have your job. You already have a problem. You already have a problem. So, and that's not the manager's issue. That's, that's an organizational issue. So you want to continue down that path. Just remember that's a, that's a, that's not a high functioning organization that operates in that manner. You know what? So bottom line, I'm not saying it doesn't happen. Don't get me wrong. And I'm not saying there's not pressures that bear. But Dave Nonis did what was right for the organization. That's the people I want. Those are the people I want. And, and when you put people into job-saving mode, they're going to try to do everything they can to save their job. Is that what's going to be what's best for the organization? Uh, uh, uh. 
And that's where leadership has to come in. So what I would say is, like, you're looking, you got to assess, how did we end up here? And, and quite frankly, Brendan Shanahan may have to, the, the hardest question you ask to ask, is Kyle Dubas the right guy for the job? Like he, like when I say who built the team, who, who's accountable, who's responsible, it's Kyle Dubas. So don't, like, you know, the accountability factor is one thing. The responsibility factor goes along with it. And now the question of Brendan Shannon is, do we have the right guy for the job? That's the real question, Steve. Yeah, which, you know, is being thought about, I'm sure. And Kyle's not a dumb guy. So, no. and we don't know, and we don't know the inner workings, but obviously from March 15th till July 15th, that's going to be a sexy time in hockey. Everything will happen in the next four months. And we're going to enjoy the ride, whether <laughs> you're a winner, you're a loser, you know, um, let me ask you this before, and I want to talk about Matthews before we hit our break and then talk more about trade deadline. What would you do? What would you do if they said, we're not guaranteeing you anything. You're going into the deadline. You're wearing the hat. What would you in the crease? What would you do on the blue line? I told you what I would do. I'd go for it. I'd say, it's gone. It's gone on long enough. Not just 04 playoff series, not just this regime, not just 67. You know what? Forget it. I'm going for it. What would you do? Which I, which I admire. Which I admire. I love that fact because you're going for it. What do you think the mood is in Colorado on this Tuesday morning? Euphoric. Euphoric. The players are ecstatic, right? Right now, the players in Toronto aren't ecstatic. They, 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 you know, I don't want to hear the, the words, oh, yeah, I, I'm not concerned about the goaltending for Kyle. We believe in this guy. No, they don't. <laughs> There's massive concern right through the organization, as there should be. There's nothing wrong with having concern. There's nothing wrong with having worry. How do you alleviate worry, right? By addressing your issues. Like, Steve, I hear it all the time. Oh, I, like Drew Hellison, a B, pro, a B prospect's a good prospect. Don't get me wrong here. Bottom line is, Joe says, hey, this is what this is what the price is of being good. You owe something to your team. You don't just owe something to the future, right? And you got to balance those out. You don't just discard the future. Toronto Maple Leafs have a lot of good prospects. Bottom line is, you, you, you want to improve your team now? You're going to have to pony up. You're going to have to pony up. And you want a goaltender? Pony up. You want a defenseman? Pony up. Their five best prospects, in my view, were all drafted after the first round. Don't start telling me you can't find good prospects after the first round. Don't tell me your first round pick isn't in play. What Kyle Dubas does, he owes it to this team. If he believes in his players, he better show them that he, that he better earn their belief by doing some things that strengthen this team. That's where I'm at. So what, what did I just tell you? I'm with you, man. All right. Time now for KB on Ice. An inside look at the NHL. Brought to you by our friends at Sports Interaction. Sports Interaction is Button's Playbook. No, Ken's Playbook. <laughs> but it could be Button's Playbook right now. Oh, Nelly, as a great sportscaster once said, what's it like to be on, on a roll in the Zoom? I'll just let you go first. And I'm not going head-to-head. -head. I'm not going head-to-head. -head. You've made someone very, very rich. A lot of sadiches, you know, would say. Well, listen, if I could make myself rich, I'd be doing this every day. But uh, bottom line, that's why you go to Sports Interaction for all the odds. They give you a little bit of an advantage. Last week, hey, we went head-to-head. -head. I had Caroline in the flames. You went opposite, but that's okay. That's okay. It's okay. You're, you've been right, too. Listen, I, I'm going three places. I'm going three places. Dallas in a playoff hunt. They're not trading anybody, in my view. So we'll get the trade talk later on. To me, going into Toronto, no Austin Matthews, take the stars. 
And I'll tell you what, the Oilers versus Detroit, Vancouver versus the Devils at home, if they're serious about the playoffs, these are must-wins for them at home against bottom-feeding teams. That's where I'm going. I know you go, oh, you're taking the easy ones, but I lost on the easy ones, according to you. Well, I'm going in the opposite direction of you. I'm kind of doing some different bets. Okay. Anaheim Rangers over five and a half. Rangers are going to score four by five by themselves. Ducks give me one. Uh, Vegas, Winnipeg on the money line, the Jets. Vegas, who we talked about earlier, trouble with a capital V. So I'm taking the Jets. Uh, and McDavid, just for fun against Detroit, will get three points tonight. Uh, by the end of uh, and the home of the brave, that's that's what I believe. So I'm not doing anything you're doing, and we'll see what happens a little bit later on, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls. Check out all NHL odds, props, and totals at sia.com. That's sia.com, and sign up today at sportsinteraction.com forward slash cool button pod. Everyone's doing it to place your bet. Sports Interaction is Canada Sportsbook. Are you going to acknowledge? My two big wins, head-to-head nope. head versus... <laughs> nope. Okay, on to the next subject. Then. Nope, That's fair I'm not going to acknowledge. Uh, <laughs> yeah, listen, um, fan bases, God love them. They're, they're what makes the world go round. But, but the logic need not apply at times. And look, I've dealt with this in broadcasting, radio, and television with all the fan bases from the Rangers that wanted Tom Wilson crucified <laughs> and then don't acknowledge a situation that happens you know, a knee on knee in another game. Oh, I, I must've missed that. Well, we don't miss anything. And the open and shut case of a two game suspension for Austin Matthews is so easy. And then to read the league hates the Leafs. I, insert team here, have fans. And the thing is, and Ranger fans, the, the thing was, I thought those fan bases were supposed to be more knowledgeable, smarter, and God, you know what? They're just as stupid for the most part as everybody else. It's a perfect suspension. And the truth is, I said on the radio show, if I was Austin Matthews, forget laughing and getting horse collared. <laughs> no, I said I would go out and get a two-game suspension. He must have listened because he went out and did. I think this is a good way of saying, screw you. I'm pissed off. I'm still mad at the call against Arizona. And it's okay. He misses two games. Big deal. They're finishing third or fourth anyway. And we know who they're playing. When Flurry came up, and I mean Theo in Salt Lake City, he came up with a ship and it was a different era I know. And he was swinging his stick and wanted to prove and everything else. Made him think this guy's kind of, I don't know if that's going to work for Austin, but at least it's different. And he got angry. And it, I think it's a quality of saying, sometimes it's okay. In our sport, I'd rather be the hammer than the nail. I don't think he's going to do it again. He hardly gets a penalty. He's 385th in the league in drawing penalties. Craig, you're an actuary by trade, right? That mathematical anomaly of being three. How has he drawn seven penalties? But anyway, he got angry. He did what he did. He paid, he's going to pay his price. That's fine. But the fan base says, shut up. And to Matthews, good for him. I'd rather he get two games than be giggling like he, like I think it's a sign of him continually get. Do you think Doug Gilmore would have been horse colored and laughed? No, he would have gone. A, and Doug's been suspended before. So I'm okay with it. I'm taking a, a shot and a bite out of the fans and saying for Matthews, I'd rather he do that. Well, I'd rather he fight, but I don't think he'll ever fight. Um, but I'd rather him do that, Craig, and then laugh and giggle and everything else. I think that's a sign of moving on up, moving on up, in my opinion. The, the game is about competitive emotion. And what you saw from Austin Matthews in that play, 
uh, versus Darlene was competitive emotion. He responded. He, he deserves a two-game suspension. You know what? I, I just laugh when I hear people in Toronto talk about like, well, he deserved the benefit of the doubt. Like, you're, like, like do, you, do you watch hockey? Do you watch hockey? Do you watch what's going on? Like, benefit of the doubt? He didn't deserve any benefit of the doubt. He's darn lucky that Rasmus Dahlin wasn't seriously hurt because it would have been a lot more than two if, if Rasmus Dahlin was hurt. So at the end of the day, I mean, you, you nailed it on the fan bases. A couple of years back, you remember when Connor McDavid uh, hit Nick Letty in the head? Yeah. I was in the studio that night and I'm watching the play and I go, that's principal point of contact. And I'm listening to the broadcast. Nothing's mentioned. Nothing's mentioned. Nothing's mentioned. Nothing's mentioned. Game ends. I'm waiting for the end. Nothing's mentioned. I'm telling her, I go, that's a suspension. I'm not talking to anybody. I'm going, I look at, look at it. Well, now nobody's saying anything. So now you're questioning it. Finally, I said, no, I know the rules. That's a suspension. I go up. I get all kinds of calls from people in Edmonton. Oh, my God, how can you do that? There won't be a player safety meeting. 11 a.m. the next morning, Connor McDavid has a meeting. Later, oh, geez, this is ridiculous. Then he gets the two games. You know what people said? You know what people said? Oh, for everything Connor McDavid does in the league, I can't believe they're doing this to him. What? So what? So you're a top player. You get to go and cross-check or pick out the head? Bottom line is, Austin Matthews got very lucky that Ross Mastalling wasn't hurt. Bottom line is, yeah, I know. In, in, in the heat of the moment, that's why we have the Department of Player Safety to say, yeah, we get it. There's a motion. <laughs> and you went, you crossed the line. You're going to sit for two. And hey, listen, I'm, I'm like you. I, you know, you're going to spill over sometimes. You're going to do some things that you absolutely regret that, that deserve a suspension. But how they happen. Like, you know, swinging your stick, sorry, there's no room for that. You know, kicking, there's no room for that. But in, in the heat of the moment, I, I get where you cross the line. Austin Matthews, in the heat of the moment, and maybe frustration is building for him. I can't speak for him. But certainly, he just said enough. And he's going to pay a price. But bottom line is, oh, yeah, he, he doesn't deserve a suspension. You know what, you, Steve? You should just do what Ray Ferraro and I do. We tell all the fan bases, we, all, we, we hate all 32 teams equally. We don't have any favorites. We hate them all. I don't have a favorite team. I hate all 32 teams equally. Therefore, you can't accuse me of liking one team and not liking yours. <laughs> yeah, and in watching both broadcasts um, on Sunday, the idea that it was off the shoulder and up when it clearly wasn't, oh. and then you sit there, and at that point, I think to myself, what, where am I on this Mike Richter scale of fighting this fight now? And it was Sunday. It was a busy night. I said, I have the podcast and the radio show. I'll worry about it on Monday because at that moment, clearly what should have been on a certain broadcast should have been, no, it was a direct shot. And I think McDavid said this later. I, and good for you at TSN that time. I remember that because when you're on an island, you look around and think, is it just me? Like if I, am I going here? Because if I'm, nope, nope. I believe in the rule book and what I know and, and, and good for you. Those two suspensions to two superstars, and that's what they are, actually help protect the superstars. McDavid, shoulder to head, protects McDavid. Matthews now in front of the net in the playoffs? That protects Matthews. That protects Matthews. If it's Charlie McAvoy or Aaron Ekblad, how you get suspended as a star actually helps protect you. That's oh, Steve, Steve, stop it. Stop it. You're making too much sense. 
Like, seriously, like you're talking intelligently. How can you start doing that now? Like, really? You're going to start saying how this hell? Like, come on. <laughs> like, but you're right. You're exactly right. And, and you know, it's amazing, right? And I, I don't know why. You just pointed out. I, you know, I remember, you, you remember the game. Zadorov hits Kasha. Oh my God! It's like as they like there was nothing. It was it was textbook clean. John Tavares after the game. That's the hit we want out of the game. No, John, absolutely not. We have body checking in the game. That's absolutely the hit we want in the game. If we have body checking, you were one hundred percent wrong, John Tavares. And if you're going to get hit, that's how you want to get hit, John. To your point, Steve, that's how you want to get hit. If there's body checking, you don't want to get a blow to the head. You don't want to get a cross check to the head. You're exactly right, Mr. Coolius. But you know what? Anybody that gets hit clean, oh my God, suspend them for life. Kick them out of the kick them off the planet. Send them to Mars. It's good that we've had two coaches this year. Um, and I and I I a big shout out for Rasmus Dolly and how he shook hands after the game, didn't whine and complain. Thank God he wasn't hurt, you know, all that stuff, which is important. Don't get me because if, if he has something wrong. Uh, on the suspension scale. And I think two coaches, Bruce Cassidy uh, might've been Gerard Gallant afterwards. This has not done the typical. That's just, no, they said, no, clean check. All good. Like I, how refreshing that has been. So we'll continue to be the warden here of the suspension prison and say it like what it is. And if the fans, I got some texts back and forth with some people in the leaf industry said, you're just wrong. Stop it. I got it from you. Stop it. Yeah, I said, there are two game suspension clips of shoulder to head, knee on knee, um, stick, like, like, do you want to see the file? This is the file. I got the Zabruder films on this, and then people zipped it. So that's good, because I know they could put all of them out, but they're out there anyway on all these two games. Go and do your <laughs> research, for gosh sake. So anyway, back to and, the And let me just tell you this, too. Media, go and do your research. Yes. Well, there's a lot like of lazy. The media don't do the research. Yeah. Okay. Finishing sexy again with the deadline. We talked a bit about Claude Giroux, Ben Sherratt. Uh, you said Klingberg not moving. Pavelski signed in the week that we talked. Good for the Dallas Stars. Forsberg, I still look at him. He scored a beauty the other day again. What a game that was. Nashville and Dallas. What a game that was. So you said it's happening. It's T minus with every second that goes by. Who's next? And I mean, team or player spider senses are tingling. You're kind of dressed like Spider-Man a little bit. <laughs> um, what do we, what do we think? I, I didn't see Manson coming. What shoe drops next? But you should have seen Manson coming because Pat Verbeek was very clear. And, and let me tell you this, you, you better see Hampus Lindholm coming. If he doesn't sign in, in Anaheim, if there's, there's one or two things going to happen in Anaheim. You're going to have an announcement that Hampus Lindholm signed or he's traded. Same with Ricard Raquel. So you better, you better see it's coming. Like if you're standing on the train track, Steve, and you see that light in the far distance, right? You better assume it's a train, okay? Just, just assume. And as it gets closer and you start to hear the whistle, you better really start to think it's a train. Bottom line is Patty's been very clear. Ben Sherratt, very clear. Does, I think the Winnipeg Jets are fascinating right now. I think the Winnipeg Jets are a fascinating team right now. Uh, I think they have some good prospects. I think that they have a team. I, I, I think there's some real evaluation that has to go on at the end of this season by Kevin Shovel-Dayoff and his group. But Andrew Cobb, I, like everybody talks about Claude Giroux, rightfully so, rightfully so, you should be talking. I think Andrew Cobb, Andrew Cobb would be a prize. If he's healthy, that player is a guy I want on my team. 
he, he can do everything in the game. You talk about strengthening your group and everything like that. So he had Paul Stashney. Why would Paul Stashney not be a really good playoff fit for a team? Right? Like, I don't hear Paul Stashney's name mentioned. I don't hear Andrew Kopp mentioned to any great degree. Brendan Dillon has two years left on a contract and a really good contract. If you're looking to make changes, they have some good prospects, Sandberg and Hainola. Maybe you can pry Brendan Dillon out and, and take care of next year. I watched the Montreal Canadiens last year, and I'm watching them. I'm watching Joel Edmondson come back and play and get up to speed. If I'm satisfied he's healthy, I might not. And I, I, I would pick up the phone and ask Kent Hughes, what, what do you want for Joel Edmondson? He's won a Stanley Cup. He went to the Stanley Cup final last year. He's another guy with a really good contract for two years. Might take care of today's business and next year's business, like the Calgary Flames did with Tyler Toffoli. Ah, I like all of that. I have a <laughs> quote right here on NHL.com from Kevin Sheveldayoff. Haven't decided, he says, I'm not going to tell yeah. the truth, what he's doing. Uh, as Billy Guerin loves his core, loves his group, acknowledge the cap next year. He believes in chemistry. He likes his team. He's more, he's, he's easing off. You could hear it in his voice. And, and, you know, if you put a guy in, and he's been in dressing rooms before, where, you know, some, oh, I was on the second line, I go down. So he's dealing with that. Uh, Kevin Sheveldayoff's dealing with all the things you talked about. There's no way JT Miller's moving now, right? Like, I mean, JT Miller's a <laughs> He was never, he, the only way he was moving is if you got a top pair of defensemen to trade back to them. His contract is amazing. He's amazing. Like, it's ridiculous. I said it six weeks ago. I said, they can trade JT Miller. They better be getting the top three defensemen back. I changed my view on it. They better be getting a top pair defenseman back. Yeah. <laughs> Bottom well, line, I said, like, like, yeah, you can trade anybody. Like anybody can be traded, Steve. It's not like it's hard to you, you, you just gotta know what good, but JT Miller, like who wouldn't want JT Miller? Tell me who wouldn't want JT Miller. Like, I'll tell you this: if I was Joe Sackett and JT Miller was available, I'd be phoning every day and say, What do you want? What do you, you need a defenseman? Do you want Drew Hellison? Ah, do you want this guy? Do you want that guy? What do you need? You need this, need that? Because not only would JT Miller help me right now, he replaces Kadri next year. Like JT Miller, like you talk about value. Like, and then people go, the prices are high. Not for JT Miller. I don't know if there's a price high enough for JT Miller. <laughs> well, if I'm uh, Vancouver, Patrick Alvin and Jim Rutherford, I'm starts with Bo Byram, who's skating again and, and, and everything else. And then that might Yo. be a starter. And you say, fine, just like you said, if you want a certain defenseman on my team, I want Chris Drury. And the phone call came a year later. And that's fine. And so it's, it's house for sale. Well, what do you want for it? Well, I don't know. If you're going to offer me something, I want $2 million. <laughs> Well, then that's $2 million. If you phone me and offer two, you can have it. If you offer one and a half, there's no sale. And that's, that's where we're at. Now, do people change over the next six days and say, one seven five, we've got a deal. That's the game that we're all playing now for Ben Sherratt and everyone else. You've been there, Craig. It is so fun. It's so fascinating. And the best is yet to come. Right. Well, let me tell you, I'm going to tell you a Billy Guerin story. And I think this is what the Toronto Maple Leafs need more than anything else. Okay. I'll do this. I'm going to go on to this, right? Ray Shiro. He's a general manager of the Pittsburgh Penguins. It's 2000. And it's, it's the, I, I, it was the 08, 09 season. He says, he says, I need somebody with some with, with, with some real credibility. I need somebody that's like that's that's got juice. And he said, We're playing in Long Island. Billy Guerin was playing in Long Island. And he said he came down the hall and Ray said, That's the guy right there. 
He phoned, he made the trade. Billy Guerin was part of that team that won the Stanley Cup, right? The Toronto Maple Leafs need a Billy Guerin type player. Not so much Billy Guerin, the 40 goal scorer. Billy Guerin, the guy with credibility, the guy that can come in and say, this is how it runs here. Toronto Maple Leafs have nobody like that. You're bang on. Oh, I love that story because I love Billy so much. Um, you're bang on. And it's funny how it took going to Long Island, walking down the hall, because you think some things are just so, if it's so obvious everyone would do it, everyone would win. I love that. Oh, I've got goosebumps right now. Uh, time now for final thoughts. I don't know if they can get any better than that. Ultimate Hockey Fans, ultimatehockeyfans.com forward slash cool button pod to get our discount. Check out the ceiling fans, the light fixtures, or put in a special order. Our buddy Paul Cohen will take care of you. Uh, I guess my final thought I want to say, for those of us who, and you are in this category, really love hockey, but we still watched Ottawa, Arizona, <laughs> which was a great game because it was it was as sloppy as sloppy could be. And Lawson Krause, congratulations on a career year and your first career hat trick. I love you. I love you. I love you. You've been on the show so many times. I've watched him progress from like a, a rented car to a Jeep Cherokee to as he keeps improving. And uh, great kid. And I said... Uh, and he said, you remember my cars? And I go, yeah. And he said, well, that's one of the reasons my dad loves you so much. I remember you're back from us on the, on the TV day. So when he does well, and that was a beautiful shorthanded goal, shout out to a, an entertaining game and lost in Krause, who I'd like on my team as no worse than a third or fourth line left winger, but shout out to him and the year that he's having career year by far. How many, how many fourth line players do you know in the league that have 18 goals? None. <laughs> Yeah, so let's just be clear. He's not a fourth line. Listen, you know, last year at this time, I suggested that the least should be interested in Lawson Kraus. Yes, I know. I know. That's I, why I, I'm doing it. <laughs> That's why I, I'm doing so it. when people say, oh, yeah, Lawson Kraus. Listen, you watch. You know, okay? And, like, it's, it's what Lawson Kraus is. And it, it, it's what you want. Yeah, there's another player. Like, if I, like, if Jacob Chickren is being talked about, and, like, you want, like why wouldn't somebody be falling? Like, he's got a great contract. He's a big, strong player that competes hard, kills penalties, right? Not easy to play against, right? Why would you phone Bill Armstrong and say, what do you want for Lawson Krause? <laughs> like, you know, but I just told you the story about uh, Billy Guerin. Ray Shiro knew what he was looking for, and then he saw it. <laughs> and he said, oh, there it is, right? I have to be honest with you, though, Steve. I was at a junior game last night in London. Budweiser Gardens, Saginaw was playing the London Knights. I was yeah. there watching. Yeah, I was doing some scouting. Doing yeah. some scouting, so uh, you know what? So I, I didn't see. I saw some of the. I saw some of the highlights. Uh, I, I will say this: the Ottawa goaltending wasn't very good. <laughs> <laughs> but you were working and still watching hockey, so that's still huge. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and we can, and you got to watch all that kind of stuff for your job as well. So um, Lawson Krausworth, sixty-seven. This has been episode forty-seven. The Leafs won the cup in forty-seven. One of the best teams they've ever had. 67 on the Leafs this year. Maybe that's just a, a good omen to bring back another Ontario boy to help out for a team that has a lot of problems. Craig, when we talk again, we're right there. Uh, Bobby Orr's birthday as we talk about more trade deadline stuff. I can't wait to do it with you again for episode 48. This was a lot of fun. I love this time of year, my friend. You've given a lot of GMs a lot of options, like a box of chocolates. GMs, pick one of Craig's chocolates and make a deal because so many of those, Craig, I thought were delicious, my friend. Yeah, well, you know what? It's like uh, Forrest Gump said, right? <laughs> there we go. And if you don't know what Forrest Gump said, look it up. And we'll see you next time on the Cool Button 
hockey podcast. My mom always said life was like a box of chocolates. You never know what you're going to get.